Good morning. Good to see you here this morning. We are right in the middle of a series that we've called My Life in Focus, and we've been looking at how the right mental picture for an arena of life really motivates you toward the right things. Andy Stanley said, Vision is a clear picture of what could be fueled by the conviction that it should be. So we've been looking at uh, the big picture of what our life is all about, and we dug into Paul's statement in uh, Philippians where he talked about my life is about knowing Christ and the power of his resurrection. That, that's what my life is about. That's that's that seems like sort of a very individual picture, but that actually is a very broad picture of what life's about because you get to know Jesus as you find out what he wants in different arenas of life, different areas of life, and then you step out to do what he wants. And then you find out that he's true, he's real. He is who he said he is. And it's a battle to do that, it's a struggle to do that, but it's as you obey Jesus, you find out in the New Testament that you get to know him. It's in the obedience. He, he proves himself over and over again to you. And you really grow in your understanding of him. So that, that's actually a giant umbrella vision that Paul gave us in Philippians 3, 10 and 11. That we're to know Christ better and better as we choose to obey him moment by moment every day of our lives. So what we've been doing in this series is we're, we've, like last week, we looked at our money vision. What's our picture of what God wants us to do with our money? Because, again, the right picture, the right vision leads you to do what's right before God. And so our, our money is about learning to obey and imitate Jesus and grow a generous heart toward others and toward the kingdom of God. That's how you know him. And that, that's a very dynamic area in our walk with God as we, you know, handle our money that we've worked hard to, to obtain and is very close to our heart. It actually reveals our heart, what we do with our money. So it's, it's an area that God brings up time and time again because it's as we learn to be generous that he proves himself faithful to bless us back. So vision is key in several areas, and in this series we're going to look at not only our money, like we talked about last week, but today, church life. We're going to talk about what's God's vision for church, what's it all about. Uh, next week we're going to look at our role in culture, what, what is his picture of what it means to be a citizen and to relate to a culture that actually culture... From, from the early days of Christianity is flowing the opposite direction of God's ways. And so part of being uh, a believer, following Christ, is swimming against the current. So what, what does that look like? What's the picture of that? We're going to talk about that next week, and then we're going to wrap up with God's picture for family life. Because again, the right picture motivates in the right direction. So... Today, we're turning to our vision for church life, what it's all about, what Jesus said about it, what, what 
the picture is of our role that we play in church life. And Jesus gave a very compelling picture that we're going to look at in a few moments, but more on that later. The reason we're looking at this is because you can do church and completely miss the point. You can get involved in the activities of what's going on and completely be in left field, out by the left field fence, and not really understand what church is all about. So we're going to look at the core of what it is and the the basic mission that God's given us uh, to accomplish together as a church community. What's interesting is once you decide to follow Christ, the New Testament says you get turned into a minister. Now, if you're you're to put your your identity on, you know, like a, an application for something, ask you what you do for a living, minister is probably not going to come to your mind natively. Okay, I don't, I don't even, I don't. When you're talking about my work, what I do for work, I don't prefer the term minister because. The New Testament says everybody who follows Christ is a minister. I'm a pastor. So I prefer that term. It's a little more descriptive. But ministry is a biblical term. This is the term it uses uh, for what we do in church life. Literally, it means to serve. Diakoneo is the Greek word that means to serve. Duleo uh, means to serve as a slave. So this, this is... At the core of what we do once we decide to follow Christ, we're servants. We serve. This is what he did. Serving is at the core of ministry. This is what it is. When I started out, honestly, serving tasted like chalk. <laughs> I mean, you know, when you're younger, I, I, I'm, I'm by nature extremely self-centered person. Scripture says we all are. So to do something for somebody else uh, tastes like chalk. You know, I take a pill in the morning that is a supplement, and I'm supposed to chew it. Yeah, honestly. I do it because it's supposed to be good for me, but it tastes like chalk. So I have that taste in my mouth every day uh, to begin with, and then I get past it. But that's what serving was to me. I was like, this taste, this is, oh. you know, how i got to go help somebody put up a fence. I hate, I hate putting up fences. You know, it tastes like chalk. They need, somebody needs this. Oh, I, I, you know, oh, here I go. Well, that's, that's how, that's how I started out. You're, you're maybe not that negative toward serving others. God made some of us with just a real heart natively to serve, but, um, we all struggle with different things, but God made us. To be a part of a community and contribute to what's going on in that church community. That, that's what he made us to do. And so we're, we live all over the place, different neighborhoods, different places here at Church in the Valley. But we're designed to be a relational community. And we pitch in and serve one another. We pitch in and serve God's purpose that he's trying to accomplish through us. And so th- this is what it's all about. Our role in the church is not to be served or to gain status or success or whatever. But the right vision for ministry, our role in the church life, is that it's not about us. Jesus himself said, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, 
but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This, this is the picture he gave us. And yeah, it's all about serving. That's why I came. And he showed us a video, audio-visual picture of what that means. One time he and his disciples went into a house. In those days, you wore sandals, roads were dusty, needed to wash your feet when you went into the house. None of the other guys were doing it. He, he took a basin, took a towel, stooped down, and served the people who were following him. He washed their feet. That, that's, that's a great picture of what it means to follow Christ. He's going to ask you and I to do the same thing. So this is, this is one of the pictures that show us what we do day to day in church life. Today, what we're going to do is look at a bigger picture and how our service fits into that, to that vision. Because if we have the right vision, we can see how our service fits into the bigger picture and it motivates us. We stay motivated to do what God's called us to do. First week of the series, we summed up, as I said, the overall vision of a Christ follower, which is knowing Christ and the power of his resurrection to know the power of his resurrection, you have to die to yourself. You have to die. You know, you don't experience resurrection unless you die. So that's actually what it means to follow Christ. You begin your walk with God by dying to yourself and deciding to live for Christ. When you do that, if you don't do that, you don't get the resurrection. And every day we keep having choices to go my way or God's way. To, to die to myself or not, when we choose to die, we experience the power of his resurrection. That's what Paul was talking about. So really, we're looking at choices that we make every day of our lives to say no to ourselves and yes to God and allow him to work through us. That's when you experience what he does. And he, he's amazing. He keeps working through us. Today... We're going to add something to the picture of make, uh, knowing Christ. And what we're going to add to the picture is making him known. So we, we are to know Christ. And then as we relate to people around us, if you're a Christ follower, we want to make him known. Here's some backstory on why this is important. Jesus followers are commissioned to make him known to those around us. And the Bible says that there are basically two ways to live life. Everybody fits in one of these directions. One of the, are there along one of these paths? There are two ways to live. God made us and he loves us deeply. He actually made us. He made human beings and he made us in the image, uh, in his image so that we could talk back to him. So we could get to know him so that we could relate to him. That's that's why he made us as our creator. It's right that we let him rule over us. But he he gave us a choice. He gave people a choice. And the Bible says that every one of us decided to go our own way. To, to walk away from God and reject the ruler God. So this is what we've done. We try to run our own life. God allows this. He, he didn't make us without the option to choose whether or not to follow him because he wanted our relationship with him to be real. It wouldn't be real 
<clears throat> if we didn't have the opportunity to choose him or not. <clears throat> Excuse me. Almost hit the deck there. That happens with, I guess, okay, I won't go into that. Um, so anyway, we try to run our own life. God allows this. Every one of us decides to try to run our own life. And the result is we're condemned by God. Now, that seems harsh to us Americans because everybody should have the right to do their own thing and go their own way. And what the mistake that we make as people is we tend to evaluate the situation from our own vantage point, from human beings upward to God. But what the Bible does is it flips it, and it allows us to see the situation from God's perspective down. Here are the people that he's made. It's right. It's right that he rules us, that he leads us, that he guides us, that we do life the way he intended the people he made to do it. And so when we rebel, the result is we're condemned by God. We face death and judgment. Hell is the word in Scripture for what we face through eternity. We're separated from God in torment. Now, we, we prefer to keep that out of our minds and not think about that. In our heart of hearts, we all know that something's desperately wrong with our own lives, with the world at large, and we try to figure out the root of the problem. All of us do this. What's the root of our problem? What is it? Because like weeds, we have to get to the root if you're going to deal with it. If you don't get to the root of the problem with a weed, it's going to keep growing. So you have to take out the root. We know this instinctively, that this is true. The Bible says that our root problem in life grows out of the fact that we've rebelled against the one who made us. And we've decided to live independently of him. Now, you don't see this without God's help. You and I, we need spiritual eyes to understand this as our root problem. Without those, you don't understand it. So if you're investigating what it means to follow Christ and you're trying to figure out what the root problem is, ask God for help to help you see it. Because the scripture says he has to turn the lights on. He has to enlighten you to understand that this is the core problem. And if you turn to him and seek him, scripture says you will find him. But this is it. This, this is the core problem. So out of his love for us, we can choose God's new way. This, this is the good news. We, we must decide, though, to submit to Jesus as our ruler. He becomes our boss. That's what it means to know him. You, you begin to learn what it means to follow him day by day, moment by moment. And you keep struggling to choose his way. We don't do that perfectly, but that's the path we choose. And we're walking that way. This means that we rely on Jesus' death and resurrection. Jesus' death paid the price for our sin, our rebellion. He took it all on himself. So rather than try to deal with the root problem on our own strength, which is what we tend to do, well, you know, the real problem is I just, I just need to work harder. So I'm going to try to work harder. Or the real problem is um, 
I just have some issues in my background that I need to work through. Or I have the root problem, according to Scripture, is you need and I need forgiveness from the living God because we have rebelled against him. That's that's what you understand in the Bible. So we rely on Jesus' death and resurrection, and the result is we're forgiven by God. Not not for working to deal with the root, but or for accepting what Jesus has already done. We're forgiven. We have forgiveness. And when you receive forgiveness into your life, he begins to work out the grace of God in your heart from the inside out, and you begin to change. He begins to give victory, but you have to keep relying on him so you know him better and better as you walk through life. And so we're given eternal life. Heaven with God in paradise. But my understanding of heaven is that it's not going to be a paradise like you're sitting on the beach drinking a Coke or something. It's, it's going to be meaningful. There's going to be an assignment from God, and we're not going to get tired and worn out. Work's not going to feel like work does now. You know, like, oh, work. But there's going to be this stuff we have to do, incredibly interesting and exhilarating, and it's going to be a tremendous eternity for those who turn around from going their own way and decide to go God's way. That's the heart. That's the root of the message of the Bible. And the Bible's clear that our default for all of us is to live our own way. This is how we all start out. We've all sinned and we're going our own way away from God the wrong way. Our, our default setting is corrupted. You know, you know how a file gets corrupted on a computer and you start spreading through the whole thing. Our default setting is corrupt as, as people. Uh, so we don't experience life the way God wants. Our own way can never save us. It, it, it can never deal with the root. The picture in the Bible is that we're all on the path to destruction if your picture of the root problem is off, you're going to move the wrong direction to find the remedy. The root is tied up in our relationship with the God who made us. We need forgiveness from him. We need him. And so that, that's where it all starts. And the truth is, no one is safe until they move from the path heading toward destruction in rebellion to God, to God's way and the path that he's laid before us. This is a clear teaching of scripture. And I, I share this because this is the backdrop of what we're all about in church life. Whenever we discover this for ourselves, whenever God turns the lights on for us, that we in default mode are lost to God. We're separated from him by our sin. And when we accept Jesus' death on the cross to pay for our rebellion and decide to follow him as Lord, we receive a commission to make him known. It's not just about us. We just sang a song. It's not about us. <laughs> it's all about him. It's not about us, but we receive a commission to tell others about him. Now, I love the picture that we're going to look at that Jesus gives us today. Jesus gives a vivid picture of the mission of the church in Matthew 16. 
And he's having a conversation with his followers, the disciples, the first 12 disciples. And it says, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who, who do people say that the son of man is? In other words, who, who, do you, who do people say I am? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. These are, these are important people from the past. He, he said to, to them, but, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, Simon, son of Jonah, uh, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. See, here, here we, need, we need God to turn the lights on. This is something that was revealed to him, not by flesh and blood. But by my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, which literally means rock, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. There are different understandings of what the rock is. Very respected theologians have different ideas. I go with the one that says it's Peter's confession that he's building the church on. It's the truth of what he said about Jesus Christ that the church is built on. That, that's, that's what it is. And so in the picture that Jesus paints in verse 18, you see the spiritual reality that forms the backdrop of what we're doing in the church. And I tell you, you're Peter, and on this rock, here it is, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus is building his church. We are working with him as he builds it. This is the picture. Is that awesome? I think it's an awesome picture. And we learn here that the nature of the church is spiritual. Buildings are just a tool. They're, they're more like a tent than they appear. This seems like a brick, you know, brick and mortar building right here. It's not a church building. So it's easier for us as church in the valley not to, real, to realize that the church is not a building. We lease it. If, if God were ever to provide a building, we're going to have to work harder to realize <clears throat> the church is the people inside the building. The cheap people outside the building, wherever they are, in their neighborhoods, at work, whatever it is. The buildings are just a tent. They're temporary. But the church is spiritual, and it's a spiritual building made up of the people who have decided to follow Christ. Because buildings are going to disappear. The equipment and the other stuff, they aren't going to last forever. The word church here in this passage literally means the, those who are called out to gather together in an assembly. It's, it's a term that was used of like city government meetings. Like where you, you were called out of the population, you, you gathered together, you were separated. And so it's used here to signify, and, and the called out people were, there was a well-defined membership as to who was a part of the meeting. And, and here it is, it's defined as, the church is defined spiritually as those who've decided to follow Christ, we band together to do what he wants. The church is a spiritual body of Christ followers who gather to do his work and complete his mission. So the mission of the church is to, to work under Jesus as he builds it. That, that's, that's the picture you get here. 
Each of us has a part in the mission. And doing our part, we grow ourselves and the, the, the church grows up as, as also, <clears throat> as well. We work under Jesus' leadership to build the church by reaching out to other people and making him known. Those who don't yet know him, who haven't yet decided to follow him. Here, here's another thing that I, that's important to understand about this picture here. It says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Now, I, I had an understanding of ancient city gates that was off until recently. I kind of understood from the Bible what it was all about. But the Bible talks about, you know, being in the gates of the city, being well respected in the gates of the city. And, you know, I imagine like a block wall. It's certainly not a chain link thing. It's nothing like that. But I went to Germany in May. I think it was May. I don't know. It seems like there's a lot of time between now and then. I'm horrible. I think it was April or May sometime. I went to Germany. I went to Berlin. And the, uh, the gates of Babylon, a city in Babylon, the Ishtar gates, actually in the 1930s, the Germans excavated them and move them to Berlin. They're in this they're in this museum. So I saw these gates. Here's here's a, a picture of the gates in the museum. You can see them from the side. It's kind of hard to see. But uh, th- this is not a chain link fence. <laughs> this is not a block wall. Um, the ancient the gates in ancient cities were the first line of defense for for the empire. Or the city itself. Here's a recreation where you get a little better picture uh, of what, what they're like. I mean, that, that is a massive structure. And what went on in the gates of the city is they were in, in, intended to ex- express the splendor and the power of the uh, empire to the people who were coming up to the gates. And that's rather intimidating. They're huge. Um, but this is where the leaders of the city would meet to discuss matters and to come up with plans and designs and how they were going to move the interests of the city forward. This is what happened in the gates. There's a huge courtyard. You can't see it here, but right in front of those gates, there's this courtyard. So it looks like it looks like a castle and just a a fortress. That's the intent. It, It symbolized your protection. It symbolized uh, just a tremendous amount of strength for the most powerful empires of this time. And so when Jesus says, if we go back to that verse, when he says the gates of hell will not prevail against, against the church, what he's talking about is the gates of hell, that's where Satan devises his schemes. That, that's where the enemy comes up with his, his plans and his schemes. And so Jesus is saying the plot, schemes, and strength of Satan and his demons will not prevail against the church as he builds it up through us. Oh, that's a great statement there. That's a good picture, isn't it? That is encouraging. Jesus calls the church out of the general population to follow him. Those who respond, those who understand who he is. 
we're called out, we gather together, and our purpose is to go back into the the world around us and help them come to know him as well and decide to follow him as as much as possible. That's our role. We actually operate behind enemy lines spiritually. The gates of hell aren't going to stop us. Jesus is working as we, in our neighborhoods, at work, uh, with friends and family who don't know him. We actually were placed there by God. And we're to be those who share who he is with those around us. These gates won't be able to stop the work of the church as Jesus builds it. It will remain. It's eternal. He gives everybody a choice whether or not to follow him. We, we can't control that. We can only realize what's going on and try to do our best to explain, to understand the story of who Jesus is and explain it with those around, to, to those around us. This means also there's a real opposition to what we're trying to do, just participating in church, especially if you start trying to make him known. And, and take steps to lead out and take ownership for making him known to the people around you. You're going to experience opposition. We need to understand this. This is also the picture that Jesus is trying to paint. We get attacked by laziness, confusion, doubt, envy, bitterness, and on and on and on as we set out to work together under the general's leadership, under Jesus' leadership to build his church. Man, there is a lot of attack. There's a tremendous amount of opposition, and this surprised me at first. I mean, I said, serving tastes like chalk. This is Randy's day of confession. This surprised me that, that when I try to do what God wants, doesn't it seem like he should, just, he should help you float along and just, it, it should just all come together? But no, man, when I try to do what God wants, each of my legs feel like they weigh 300 pounds each. It's really hard to move in that right direction. It's really hard to do what pleases God because he he is he is he's allowed the enemy to continue to do his work to strengthen us and to build us up as we set out to do his work. That's one of the reasons there's other things I can't go into because we'd be here till midnight uh, right now. But Jesus, he gives us this picture so we know what to expect as we work together. To fulfill his work on on earth. And so Jesus expects his followers to battle as he builds. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The battle rages. The battles for the souls of people. Hell is a real place. And our enemy is trying to keep us as as a body of believers from engaging and doing our part to help others. Come to know him. God's ultimate answer to our root problem was to step into the world in the person of Jesus Christ and to carry out his plan to rescue people who are in bondage. The devil is trying desperately to keep his grip on people. Satan is trying to hold on. But our root problem is forgiveness from God. That's what we really need. I don't like discomfort. So I don't, I don't like to think about hell. And that people are going to suffer in it if they don't turn to, to Christ. 
But spiritually, the people around us who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ are behind the enemy's gates. And they are behind the gates of hell. And the pain that people are presently in because of sin, and we all experience it, is nothing compared to an eternity of separation from God. We need to deal with this reality. It's, it's nothing in comparison. God allows your choice. What, what he does is he gives you life and you make a choice. Am I going to go my own way or am I going to go God's way? If you choose to go your own way, he lets you walk on into eternity going your own way. And you remain separated from God for that eternity. And it's torment. Hell is eternal torment, indescribable pain and agony without any relief or any hope of relief. Death brings final judgment. Nothing good and right will ease the pain of those in hell. I I don't like discomfort. I'm a wimp. And so I don't necessarily like to think about this spiritual reality. But we need to keep it in mind as we do the work God's given us to do. Because if I have an accurate picture, I'm motivated to take ownership and try to make Christ known to those who don't know him yet because it's a rescue mission behind enemy lines. This is what church life's all about. The picture in the Bible that we have of what the church is all about keeps us moving toward the front lines of the battle by engaging those who are lost to God at the present. The picture in the Bible is reality from God's perspective, not our perspective. It makes no sense. We need God's help to see this. But it's from God's perspective looking down. At, at points, the spiritual reality of what's going on can cause us to retreat, to be frozen with fear. And this is the enemy's major weapon, fear. He has others. Confusion, doubt, apathy. There, there are plenty of others, but fear is one of his main weapons. A clear picture from God's word keeps us moving toward the battle. Toward the goal. So as I wrap up, I want, to, I want to gain some encouragement from what we see here. First of all, we're not, we don't fight alone. Uh, Jesus goes to battle with us. He's building the church. And the church teams up on this. There's a spiritual army across the world advancing the kingdom. Jesus is right there with every one of us. He says, I will build my church church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against us i I don't have to do what i can't control i can only do what i can do and trust god to do his part so i trust that that jesus is going to do the heavy lifting spiritually as i do what i can do and i do what i can do to make him known by Identifying with Christ, letting my family and friends know I, I'm a follower of Christ now. I'm, I'm working on this. I tell my family, friends, family. I don't know if you have a family. I do. Um, sorry. Uh, that's an invented word. But I, what I do is I identify with Christ. I just let people know I'm, I'm, I'm a Christ follower. And... I tell others about the changes Jesus is making in me, the, the difference he's making. I invite others to church. This is where you hear the truth. 
one of the places that God intends for the truth to be told. I learned to communicate the good news about Jesus' life and ministry myself. I capsulized it at the very beginning when I talked about the backstory, the two ways to live. I learned to communicate that myself to those who need to hear it, that need to know him. And as I do this, I can trust Jesus' promise to be with me and I press on. Though it may seem impossible, I press on to do what he's, he's called me to do. A second bit of encouragement is that God's power is greater than the enemy's power. Church is fighting a winning war. Our, our choices decide the battles often. But we're in a winning war. 1 John 4, 4, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. Uh, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So God, the living God, Jesus Christ, who lives in us, in his spirit, he's greater than the enemy, the one who's in the world. Sometimes it can feel like we have our backs against the wall in the battle. But the advancement of God's kingdom will not be halted by any scheme of darkness. God, God gives the victory. God's spirit lives inside his Christ followers. And relying on him in the battle is key to victory. We just keep saying no to our own way and yes to God's way. And we see the power of the resurrection. It's our choice. And we need God to help us with this desperately. So as I wrap up today's message, I'd like to ask you if you would to pull out the connection card from your program and complete any information you haven't had an opportunity to complete yet. When the offering ushers come around, you can drop the card in the offering basket. That'd be great. Here's some next steps I'm suggesting. You may have one for yourself. The first one would be to memorize Matthew 16, 18. Uh, Jesus, where Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's a picture to keep in our minds. And then secondly, pray for the opportunity to love and make Christ known to maybe a neighbor, family member, friend, co-worker. Maybe somebody comes to mind that you want to share Christ with. God puts put them on your heart to help come to know you. And then consider ways to team up with others in the church, either in, in a group. We're, right now we're our groups are forming uh, on a team that serves here on Sundays or just as opportunities come up through the week. Uh, consider how to team up and serve others as we advance God's kingdom together. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the truth of your word and we ask for your help as we set out to do what you've laid on our hearts to do today. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen.